This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome to the New Books Network. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to New Books in Game Studies, a podcast channel on the New Books Network. On this channel, we talk about new and recent publications that deal with digital games as cultural artifacts, the act of playing with them, and the production and social paradigms of the industries behind them. My name is Rudolf Inderst, the host of the channel. Before we jump right in, though, I want to let you know that if you like our show or a single episode, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or the audio platform of your very choice. You're more than welcome, of course, to leave feedback or questions on Spotify as well. Also, feel free to share this episode with your friends or wherever you see fit. And now back to our show. Today, we have a fascinating guest with us, Poppy Wild, author of the book Post-Human Gaming, Avatars, Gamers, and Entangled Subjectivities. Poppy, thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I wonder uh, if you could begin the interview by telling us a bit about yourself. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I'm a senior lecturer at Birmingham City University in the UK. Uh, I'm a senior lecturer in media and communications and I'm an active researcher in the Birmingham Centre for Media and Cultural Research. Uh, So my main uh, research interests are in critical post-humanism and video games and then I spice it up a bit with uh, sometimes doing some some stuff on zombies as well. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good introduction. Perfect. (laughs) Now, um, of course, we have to check for your Ludo street credibility. So please tell us what's your favorite game and the one you're playing right now. Such a difficult question to answer Um, and a great one because obviously it always gets you kind of thinking, oh, God, what what is it? What is it? Um, So I started playing video games um, as a child kind of uh, and I actually start the book by saying this as a, as a child um, with my mum and my dad and my brother all kind of clustered around uh, a computer screen together playing video games so one of my earliest um, but favorite video games is Little Big Adventure which is actually a 1994 game um, from EA and um, absolutely love that has always always going to have a very special place in my heart um and another one is of an old school kind of one a bit later 2003 um beyond good and evil by ubisoft mm. which again just uh, a lovely game um excellent protagonist and i've i've written about that a couple of times but um 
yeah again I could go on for ages um more recent ones like Horizon Zero Dawn um Industria Inscription Left Alone which is if anyone is a horror gaming fan highly recommend Left Alone um but what I am playing now is Stray uh, by Blue 12 Studios and I'm uh, doing some research on that so it's um that's a great game perfect now let's dive right in. Um, your book explores the relationship between avatars and gamers in World of Warcraft, shedding some light on entangled subjectivities. Now, can you give our listeners a glimpse into how this dynamic contributes to post-human subjectivity and blurs the line between self and other? Yeah, absolutely. So post-human subjectivity um, really kind of rejects humanistic ideas of um, anthropocentrism and also of the human as being kind of fully in control, um, master of their own destiny, uh, autonomous, all of those sorts of things. So the critical post-humanism as I use it is uh, very sort of led by um, feminist and new materialist uh, work. And so really what what it does is kind of think about rather than the gamer as being in control of the avatar in video games, um, is that I, I look instead at entanglement and how the subjectivity that emerges from gaming is through this interaction, as Karen Brad says, um, of gamer and avatar. So, uh, Karen Brad's work on interaction looks at rather than the idea of interaction, which suggests two kind of completely separate entities um, coming together. Uh, she suggests that interaction is focuses more on this way of how when things uh, what emerges when things come together. Um, so, as I say, for me and my research, it's about rather than looking at the gamer being in control of the avatar instead it's thinking how does the subjectivity that we perform in that digital game space come about specifically because of these different entities coming together um, with neither one of them more in control of the other um, but looking at the avatar as an equal part in that relationship um that enables the gamer themselves to to kind of be and do different things. Hmm. Now, post-human empathy is a concept you also introduce in your research. How does this unique form of empathy manifest itself in the gaming experience? And what do you believe it adds to our broader understanding of empathy? So... Empathy is often um, considered in different ways, such as like me considering myself in your situation. So I would be looking at the situation that you were in and kind of saying, oh, you know, I can imagine, um, you know, what would I do? How would I feel? Or um, what is called other oriented perspective, where I'm imagining being you. So I'm not so much thinking about how I would be affected by your situation, but I'm I'm imagining how you are um, being affected. So both of these different ways of thinking about empathy, again, really have 
kind of core beliefs in terms of that separation between self and other. So as I say, in humanism, that's that's kind of what we get a lot, this sense of us being independent, autonomous, kind of static, bounded beings who, um, as I said before, are kind of in control. Whereas to look at that from a post-human perspective, really what we're kind of doing is, is seeing how all of the things around us, environments, others, be they human or non-human, um, animals, machines, and and kind of atmospheres also shape who we are. And of course, that comes into um, different levels of kind of uh, social and cultural avenues as well. And so empathy, um, as I'm looking at it uh, through this idea of the post-human empathy that I propose, is thinking about this rather than um, as that kind of strict self-other division and those different categories, considering how empathy, again, emerges through this specific entanglement of, in this case, uh, the avatar and the gamer. So that empathy is then considered um, in my book through different affective and emotional situations, as well as kind of goal-oriented ways. So basically kind of thinking about how am I experiencing or being affected by uh, in embodied ways by what is happening to for example the avatar body but also thinking about how am I coming together with the avatar's goals and my goals and so taking on a, again a kind of um, enmeshed perspective so for example when we play a video game the avatar is given uh, specific tasks you know the, the the avatar character is given certain things to do and so if we are playing the game as intended and of course some people are, are not and they're looking for different deviant strategies but if we are looking uh, to play the game as intended we also need to take on those goals the goals of the avatar character become our goals as well. And those goals have to be aligned in order for us to progress in the game in that particular way. So rather than than thinking about uh, empathy as being sort of owned by an individual. Um, so, you know, for example, sometimes we'll think about uh, kind of someone being called an empathetic person. Mm. Um, instead, this kind of post-human empathy that I'm looking at is really, again, emerging from how these different entities are coming together. Again, uh, another thing with empathy is that it uh, it's often seen as, uh, in, in some theorizations at least, as a human-to-human -human, uh, perspective. Um, so again, a post-human form of empathy disrupts that and, and looks at um, a kind of, in, again, in this case, human and machine empathy so really it's kind of trying to explore again those kind of affective and embodied perspectives which is again very central to sort of feminist critical post-humanism bringing the body back into the picture um, and accounting for those different ways of feeling and understanding those as a, a valid form of knowledge production hmm. i i think so, it work. sorry yeah I was just going to say, so the the kind of way that um, 
it it kind of emerges in in my research is looking at as I say so my um my book as you said focuses on um world of warcraft and so i focus on my relationship with my avatar a team in this book so what i write about is how our relationship um is kind of formed and how that emerges through different i guess kind of ways of coming to know the game thinking about the subjectivity that i come from thinking about how that is performed in different ways uh, and how it is embodied in different ways, as well as considering, um, you know, when when that kind of uh, fits into different methods of uh, understanding the self. Um, so as much as I kind of talk about um, empathy and these kind of affective and emotional um, and goal-oriented ways of of kind of um, being with the avatar. Um, I do also talk about things like when, you know, when you're bored, when you're playing <laughs> games, because there are parts of gaming that are boring. Um, you know, there's those bits that like you can't get over or when you're grinding because you need to like get a particular resource. But again, that is that is very much a kind of, uh, I think, a, 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 the same as our everyday lives, right? So, you know, in a in a non-digital environment, I get bored uh, in the same way as in a digital environment I do. And of course, video games are there to try and keep you engaged. They want you to have those heightened moments of affect and engagement. They want you to have those really kind of um, highly embodied and empathetic moments with the avatar. They want you to have, you know, for example, example jump scares um and moments where it's really difficult um so that then you can have that sense of achievement um but it's it's also kind of uh mixed in with all of these other wider parts of the experience and all of those really inform who we are um both within the game and and without because of course it's not like when we log off from the game we just leave it all behind and it it disappears from our mind and our memory and who we are um but we we again we carry that with us and so the avatar uh, and the game also feeds into our our wider subjectivity you know, your relations are perfect for our third question because you already have been mentioning world of warcraft so um your work challenges the idea of strict uh binaries disrupting conventional notions of self and other could you share specific instances or observations uh, from World of Warcraft that exemplify this disruption and highlight the post-human nature of subjectivity in gaming? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm going to cheat a little bit and um, <laughs> read out a few um, a few of my notes from um, from within the book. So um, the way that I've done the research for this this book is um, it's an autoethnographic method. So as I said, I'm I'm really writing about my experiences in World of Warcraft with one particular avatar with a team, um, and so it's it's very much kind of using that relationship um, and that subjectivity to explore post-humanism and to explore kind of performative elements and uh, empathy and motivations and achievements um, in that particular kind of case study, if you will. Mm. So um, a few different, um, like throughout the book, I, I draw on field notes that I made from uh, playing the game. 
and then kind of analyze them um, in relation to to those different concepts and ideas. So um, I've got an example here of um, this this kind of notion of embodied empathy. Um, so, and this is the note. I'm completing a quest underwater, diving for relics in a deep, wide lake. I'm absorbed in my task, deep beneath the water where the colours and sounds are dulled, and I am lulled into that ethereal state of being. A team's air supply seems ample, until suddenly it doesn't, and I am forced to ascend. I begin to worry when I don't break the surface. I hadn't realised I was so deep. I need to get a team to the surface and I find myself holding my own breath, a worried look adorning my face as I watch the air supply dwindle and watch her buddy rise. I make it and breathe again. So what's happening there is this kind of situation of, I don't, you know, physically need to be holding my own breath, but in having that kind of empathetic state um, with the avatar, I'm I am holding my breath. I'm 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 feeling that that same kind of um that panic and that worry um of of being deeper than I realized and you know not wanting to die uh, and not wanting her to die. And so there's this this kind of idea of um again that that sort of enmeshment there that I'm really thinking about how my body is reacting um to that. Um, and then I've got um, another example. Again, these are these are very um, <laughs> kind of heightened, heightened, effective moments. Yeah. Um, but one here um, again, which looks at kind of um, that embodied empathy. A team falls from a great height, and I gasp. It is completely involuntary. I am in that moment her falling, perhaps to her my death. It is a ridiculous concept because even if a team were to die, I would be fine. And it would take just moments to run my spirit through the graveyard to find her body and resurrect. Note the my, her complications. The boundaries are blurred. She is not me, but she is not not me. And this is um, what is uh, often referred to as pronoun play. Um, this idea of of kind of when we narrate our experiences from playing games, we we can often sort of switch between this idea of me, her, we, I. And so this, uh, again, kind of demonstrates that way in which our subjectivity isn't just kind of fixed in this specific sense of me being separate from a team. You know, I'm I'm reflecting on, you know, this idea of like, well, if, if a team were to die, I would be fine. You know, I know that the avatar's death doesn't mean that I am physically going to die myself, but I'm very implicated um, within that experience. And so there are, again, those affective and embodied moments of feeling with the avatar Um and and how that shapes again our kind of understanding of how we experience the game and so for me that that kind of extends with this idea of who we are as a post human subject that we're constantly being shaped and formed by all of the things around us and we we perform um 
our our subjectivities in different ways so if we take you know this podcast for example we're performing specific kind of um, subject positions based on you being the host and me being the guest and so each of us is informing the the kind of subjectivity of the other there you can't be host without a guest and I can't be guest without a host and it's it's sort of the same thing with the the avatar uh, and gamer where there are these um th- again that sense of you know I I can't be a gamer if I've if I've haven't got um a game to play um mm. ever um you know you could it doesn't mean you're necessarily doing it in the moment but with the with the avatar gamer subjectivity that's where I'm looking specifically at how are these entities coming together to shape behaviors and understandings and um and feelings um again that that we we hold kind of within our bodies so for me all of that kind of demonstrates again this this kind of post-human nature and I get it you know I get annoyed at a team as well there's like it's not all kind of um you know me caring about her <laughs> there, are, there are times where like again in the book I talk about being frustrated with her um and there it seems like you know oh well that that might not seem like your you're this kind of lovely post-human subjectivity that comes together from both of you. Um, but actually, even when I'm referring to her as her, um, and even when it seems like there's that kind of critical difference and distance um, between self and other, actually, again, it's it's very much all informed by that, that relationship, by that engagement, and by how each of those different uh, entanglements allows different ways of being and uh, different subjectivities uh, to emerge. Hmm. So it's very much a a kind of way of thinking about, I suppose, how are we rejecting those humanistic binaries of self and other, and in doing so, allowing ourselves to understand our subjectivity, uh, not as as being, um, you know, that I am this one specific self and that I'm, I never change uh, and that I'm in control. It's very much more thinking about subjectivity from a perspective of understanding just how entangled we are with the world around us, with the others around us. And so in, in post-human gaming, I, I'm focusing very specifically on a really small part of that, this relationship specifically between me and a team. But actually from a wider post-human perspective, you would also take into account, um, you know, the game developers, the software, the servers um, that, that house the game, the computer that I play on, and looking at how each of those different entities shapes that subjectivity and allows different things to occur basically um, in different ways. And then again, from a the kind of critical post-humanist perspective that I'm I'm using, I'm I, I am thinking about that in uh again in specifically sort of embodied and affective ways because of drawing on that that feminist tradition of understanding that when we think about knowledge traditionally um, and historically from from these kind of humanist histories and from um, our kind of patriarchal histories and societies, we are usually um, kind of valuing 
one specific form of knowledge and and there's very much this kind of again humanistic uh, rational reasonable worldview where it's uh, it's all kind of about science and objectivity whereas from a feminist perspective bringing the body back into the picture um and from a post-human perspective, um, disrupting again that any kind of binaries between mind and body is really important for progressing that project. Right. Well, thank you very much. These were fascinating insights, Poppy. I can clearly see that we are navigating uncharted territories in the realm of digital game studies here. So I want to thank you again for being on the show today and sharing your expertise um, thank you very thank much. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. So, um, dear listeners, I hope you like this episode. Now, of course, who wouldn't? If you are an author and or an editor in the field of digital game research or studies yourself and want to talk about your latest publication, please do not hesitate. Again, please do not hesitate to contact me under rudolf.indust at googlemail.com. Alternatively, please send me a direct message on social media. You will find me under Rudolf Indust on Facebook and Instagram and under at Game Studies on Blue Sky and also on LinkedIn. Take care. Goodbye. Have a great time.